0: Between laughter and tears, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, whose lands we proudly live and work on. We pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging.
1: And I'm thriving now, so wait, what?
0: No, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
1: Hi guys, welcome back to Between Laughter and Tears, I'm Mon. And I'm Tish. And this week we are talking all things ADHD.
0: We are, and we're going to focus on Monet's personal experience with ADHD and her story of her diagnosis. But as you know, before we get into that, we're going to do our mental health check-in.
1: Yes, because as we all know, and as we talked about in our last episode, mental health is really important for everyone, and it is always good to do a little check-in with your friends and yeah. That's why we we do it. Spread the uh, spread awareness and do our part in helping people with mental health. That's but it. Well, Monet, how are we doing today? I'm doing okay mentally. I'm doing pretty good today. Um, definitely a bit hungover. We we went out on the town last night and had a bit of a big <laughs> one, but it was a good night. But we've um, it's Saturday though, so we've still got all day tomorrow on Sunday to do the things we need to do for the start of the week. But yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm good. Excited to talk about this topic today because it's pretty close to home.
0: Yeah, and head noise rating.
1: Um, right now, probably like a two, one or a two. Honestly, not much going on in my head. Oh,
0: that's so nice. How are you, T.P.? <laughs> I am doing good. I yeah, we did we did go out last night. It was very um, spontaneous. It
1: was very and
0: unexpected. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a really fun night. We did take advantage of the happy hour last yes. night. <laughs> there was a random happy hour at
1: this bar we went to. We were like, fuck, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> it was really good.
0: Um, anyway, head noise? Head noise. Right now, honestly, yeah, probably like one or two. I'm very um, at peace and calm and just content right now. Yeah, um, we've, we've also, had a really nice day as well. We have. And um, I just want to say I'm really excited to talk about this topic as well. Um, Monet has a very um real... Experience with ADHD and her diagnosis, and just watching her go through it, was insane. Like, obviously, I sat on the outskirts and I was just watching her go through this phase of life, and I was like, oh my god, she's incredibly strong, um, young woman.
1: Um, This is completely my personal experience with ADHD, and the research that I've done, and the knowledge that I've gained over the course of this year since I've been diagnosed from my doctor for one the most important and from uh, resources that I've been given by my doctor to research about ADHD and and I um, got put on medication and I've been on medication ever since so I want to talk a little bit about that and my um, my life sort of life leading up to being diagnosed and then how it's affected me and how it's helped me because it has helped me a lot since since being diagnosed but yeah yeah
0: we're going to kick this off by talking about more the, just a little bit about the clinical side of ADHD, um, kind of what it is, what happens in the brain. Um, I'm going to let Manet take the reins on this one because she knows way more than I do and I'm actually still learning. I'm learning every day with her um about what ADHD actually is and where it kind of stems from. So come or all you girl.
1: Yeah, but before we get into the clinical side of ADHD, I actually just want to touch on something that is a little bit might be a little bit controversial it's actually the stigma around ADHD and how many people don't actually know what ADHD actually is yeah
0: yeah definitely I feel like people I think because social media is around as well but people will be like oh I'm really fidgety and yeah. I'm unorganised, so I've got ADHD. Yeah. And I,
1: my leg twitches a couple times. I've got ADHD, which yeah. <laughs> it is so much more complex. It's a complex brain disorder, but, um, but yeah, there's a there's a huge stigma around it. A lot of people don't actually know there's actually three types of ADHD, and the three types being hyperactive ADHD, inattentive ADHD, which was previously diagnosed as ADD. But now it's just ADHD is sort of like an overarching term for all three. And then there's combined ADHD, which is obviously a mix of the two. But I've been diagnosed with inattentive ADHD. So the main symptoms I would say of inattentive ADHD are... I've got them written down here. So I'm just going to look at my little notes. Making careless mistakes because of difficulty maintaining attention, following detailed, uh, having trouble following detailed instructions and organising tasks and activities. Um, which is very interesting because I struggled that with those sort of sorts of things my whole life, and now I'm like, oh my god, so makes sense. Um, but
0: can I just give a quick example here? Um, like at at work is an example. I'm actually kind of Monet's boss at work. Yeah. Um, and I will like give her a task to do, and she'll either be really fucking good at it. She'll be like super speedy. Super good, like if it's stimulating her brain, for example, that we have this like little job called condensing, and we just have to pretty much condense make space. yeah condense stock in our shelves and just make space, and she's a weapon at it it's, I like, just,
1: it's so stimulating because I have to think of where everything goes and it's it's like it gives me something to think about, yeah and, yeah and
0: then we also have like we do like pick and packing at where we work, and um she'll be doing a pick, and instead of doing it the way I told her, look, it sucks, it's not like the most fun and the most quickest way but it's how we reduce it's repetitive errors. it's repetitive and she struggles i'll be like mon you have to pick one thing at a time i'm really sorry and she'll just she just it's really difficult for her to follow that instruction because her brain is telling her oh my god it's way more efficient doing it this way yeah. and i just want to quickly mention i actually have this book and um it's called the medical medium and he's a doctor and he's kind of yeah ventured into the spiritual world and i his psychic medium And it's so interesting. He says in this book, he goes, the truth is ADHD and autism are producing new generations of children who will grow up better equipped to solve our problems and chart the best course for humanity. So, so interesting. Um, There was a term created in the 1970s for this and they call it the new breed of kids and they call them indigo children. If you want to do your own, yeah, if you want to do your own research on that, it is fascinating and so, so interesting. And I actually agree because... Example, at work, obviously I tell her you have to do it th- this way to reduce errors, but she finds somehow a more efficient way of doing it and a quicker way of doing it. Yes, errors do occur, um, but it's like very interesting how her brain works and how she can just quickly solve problems. And I think that mm. statement is so true because I've, sometimes I I feel like I am a good problem solver, but some people really, really struggle with Solving basic problems. Basic.
1: But I, I don't. I've always been so good at solving basic problems and sort of putting two and two together in my life. Um, but I, I can be so bad at other things as yeah. well. Like it, my brain just really works off stimulation.
0: It's like two ends of like a weighted scale. Yeah. And with ADHD it feels like one is like really heavy and yeah. the other one's really light. So whatever um, I guess sometimes they lack in... Um, they excel in something example problem solving
1: yeah cuz um the adhd brain sort of it's it's very well known that we can hyperfixate on things as well so if we if we hyperfixate on things we get things done very efficiently very well and um i don't know to it to a high quality but if we we can't hyperfixate or it doesn't stimulate our, our brain or we're not interested in it it's really hard that's where the focus issue comes in it's really hard to focus on things and As I've sort of learnt more about ADHD, I've sort of, my whole life has just become so clear because I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much sense for why I struggled so many times. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what ADHD actually is. And all of the, um, most of this information that I'm sort of telling you in this podcast comes from a resource called Attitude Magazine, so A D D Attitude, A D D I T U D E Magazine, um, and we'll link the sort the, of pay, the, the website. URL, yeah. yeah, we'll link it in the description. So if anyone wants to have an um, investigation into more, they can because there's so much information on that website. But it uh, it was a resource given to me by my psychiatrist when I got first diagnosed to do a little bit of my own research. About what was going on in my brain because it was it was a lot. But um, basically, what ADHD is, it is a um, complex brain disorder. Brain disorder that is an impairment of our executive functioning of the brain, and executive functions is like a really big overarching term for pretty much our a lot of things that we do in day to day life. So our decision making process, our um, impulse control, our like the cognitive processor organizes thoughts, processes activities, manages time, everything. So, day to day life is harder. Oh, not harder. Oh, it can be harder. It is. It it is hard. I don't know what it's like to have a normal brain, so (laughs) I've just
0: managed to. Yeah, you have nothing to compare it to. And um, obviously ADHD looks different for every person as well. Everyone obviously is living their own human experience, grows up in a different environment. Like Mm. there's so many factors. There's so many factors.
1: We're just going to segue into a little bit of a different topic now. And I'm going to talk a little bit about ADHD in females, in girls, and the the problems around that.
0: It's so interesting because I, I have an input about this as well. Yeah. Um, you go. So pretty much the first thing
1: is ADHD in girls is females are often diagnosed a lot later in life than than males because it's more common for females to have inattentive ADHD rather than hyperactive ADHD. And hyperactive ADHD is obviously they sort of describe the kids so this is in the Attitude magazine, they just sort of sort of describe those kids as they are driven by a motor. So as they're in school and they're growing up, they're, they just can't sit still. They're causing havoc in the classroom. They're running around, banging their heads, blah, blah, blah. But the inattentive sort of ADHD people, they're the ones sitting in the in the back of the class, twirling their head, daydreaming out the window. and Or they, they're just talking a lot in class. I was always called a chatterbox growing up. And that um, sort of was my ADHD coming out. I was I couldn't stop talking. I was a class distraction. I would I would just talk talk talk. But then I would also sit there daydreaming. I I always struggled in tests to focus, tests and exam. I never performed performed well in tests because I could never focus. But that is why ADHD in females are miss is missed so much more than than little boys because they don't they aren't noticed in school, and obviously in school, everyone the teachers have an eye on all the kids and and sort of what they're doing and how they're behaving, so they can sort of send kids to get evaluated for these sorts of things. But they often less send females because of this reason.
0: And th- I just want to quickly input that's so interesting because it's so true in schools. They pick on the boys, and be like, "Oh, maybe you should go get tested for ADHD," yeah. but not really females. And it actually says in the medical medium book about how the best way to learn if you have ADHD is actually the mother's instinct for example your mum you usually have like the closest bond Mm -hmm. and they can obviously pick up on certain behaviors and they watch you grow up they go oh that's a bit odd I wonder if it's something else yeah so
1: and because obviously school is a very different environment to home and the way my doctor explained it as well is that people I live with will notice my ADHD more than anyone else in my life because they're the it's the day to day tasks that I struggle to do as someone with inattentive ADHD. I lose things, I misplace things, I have shocking time management skills, <laughs> and ti- I get time blindness, no tomorrow, ADHD paralysis. I forget to hang my washing out. I leave all the cupboard doors open. I leave the. I, lo- I lose my keys. I, I leave the garage door open when I leave. Like it's just the little things that I I repeatedly. Struggle with and repeatedly forget to do and and sort of so it's the people you live with that that will notice it the most. But yeah, so that's sort of my take on females and it's there's a lot of studies out there that females are also three times more likely to be put on antidepressants prior to being diagnosed with ADHD. Females just go undiagnosed for their whole for for much longer than males in most cases. Obviously, there's individual cases and there's other people that get diagnosed earlier but
0: didn't. yeah um i just want to quickly add because my nephew he i love him to bits he is a full-on kid and he he literally is the best boy but um already he the kindy monster yeah. they said you need to go get him tested for adhd because his yeah. behavior is out of control and for little kids it looks like naughty behavior yeah it,
1: and, and that's the hyperactive ADHD. That's the,
0: yeah. It's a bit sad because I'm yeah. like, he hasn't even grown up. No. He is not. His brain hasn't fully developed. His mm-hmm. body hasn't fully developed. There's so many other factors to consider. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's insane. That mm-hmm. yeah. little boys at the age he was like, he's like, he's three now. But I think at the time people were noticing it when he was two. I was like a two-year-old. A and two-year-old, yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's just, crazy. It's and crazy
0: and females would go undiagnosed, 100%. Yeah, because unless they have that
1: hyperactive ADHD where they can't sit still and driven by a motor, the, the teacher is not going to send a little girl sitting in the corner daydreaming out the window to get evaluated for ADHD. It's just not it's just not going to happen and this is where the stigma comes in where it's so much more than just not being able to sit still. Yes. It's, it's, and especially growing up and as an adult and going through puberty and my teens... I had so many issues with mental health, anxiety because it it yeah my emotions, everything was just so out of whack from this executive function dysfunction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we finally want to talk about Monet's personal experience and her story about um, her diagnosis with ADHD. Yeah, take the floor, girl.
1: So obviously I've had ADHD my whole life and it's looked different. It's manifested. It's changed over my life and I've been un- undiagnosed since this year. So I got diagnosed in when I was 20. I also got diagnosed with autism. So I'm also autistic as well. Um, au- autism is a spectrum. It's autism spectrum disorder. So I'm not, like I wouldn't say I'm super autistic, but I definitely do have Tendencies and I, <laughs> I growing up, it was more prevalent when I was younger because I, I struggled a lot to make friends. I was very much a loner kid. I had special interests, and I have insane sensory issues, which also goes hand in hand with ADHD as well. But um, autistic, autism, and ADHD do go hand in hand as well because. If you have autism, you also have ADHD in a way. This is what I've been told by my, by my doctor because autism is executive dis- dysfunction as well. So you, if you have autism, you also will have ADHD, but not necessarily the other way around. If you have ADHD, you don't necessarily always have autism, but I have been diagnosed with both.
0: So what did primary school look like for you?
1: Primary school looked... Very interesting for me. I was always, as I said before, I was always labelled as a chatterbox. Not labelled, I was always called a chatterbox. In my report cards, all through primary school, called the distraction of the class. The comment was always, Monet needs to focus more on her schoolwork and less about talking to her classmates. And I just, I really struggled to focus, but I was also really quite intelligent. (laughs) Um, Don't mean to to my own horn or anything. But (laughs) I was always pretty I excelled in a few things and I also was not very good at at a few things as well. But I wasn't the kid running around throwing books around and and sort of running amok. I was just I just talked a lot. And even with my at home with my family. So in primary school I never really struggled with mental health. I just sort of went through went through school, did my thing, was a chatterbox I did pretty well. I had a very structured home life with my with my mum, so that definitely helped. And that's what my, my doctor's like. Um, if it weren't for your structured home life, I don't think you would have done as well in school. Um, and that was sort of how my primary school looked. But it definitely manifests when I got to high school. Uh, I started struggling with mental health a lot through high school. And I, in high school, I also struggled to maintain friends and make friends and... I struggled to meet deadlines of assignments and was also the distraction of the class. And I have always, always struggled in exams and tests in that environment because I lose focus and I can't, I've got so much going on in my head and I can't pull the right information. I can't answer the question properly um, because I just think, overthink everything. Um, so that is, that definitely affected my school life, but I was also pretty intelligent good at school. I had good home life and I had also had good teachers that really helped me before I got diagnosed. So if, if I had known I had ADHD through school, I think my school life would have been a lot easier <laughs> and I've had, would have had a lot more support from my school as well.
0: It's so interesting about what your doctor said about um having that structure in your home life. Your environment is so important, especially as a kid because yeah. it influences everything.
1: Yeah, mum made me breakfast, dinner, lunch. Well, not, I, not always, but she made sure I brushed my teeth. She she reminded me she was good. She she tells me now, she's like, I thought I was going crazy when I was telling you to brush your teeth every night and you just kept forgetting. Oh, I told you to <laughs> hang out, you're washing and you left without doing it. But it's just things like that that I just forget. Um, but yeah, in year 12, I... That's probably where I struggled with with mental health the most. I was in a very low place. I didn't really go to school much. I was always late to school. I had very poor time management and I was put on antidepressants in in year 12. And I would say they definitely helped to pull me out of like the really low moods, but they didn't fix the root cause of the issue. They just put a bandaid over it. So to follow on from what I said um in the previous segment about females being misdiagnosed before getting diagnosed with ADHD and being put on antidepressants and stuff um I'm going to talk a little bit about my misdiagnosis story. So I was misdiagnosed two two or three times. Two two times? Two times. Two times. I was put on antidepressants twice, but I was also diagnosed with um, social anxiety, which I definitely did have a bit of social anxiety going on because I couldn't really talk to anyone and I couldn't really sit with anyone in school. We talked about this in our previous episode how I was just by myself in um, year 12. I'd sit by myself and not bring food and Tisha to mm-hmm. pick me up and put me into the friendship group. But anyway, I w- had been told that I had social anxiety, which I was like, yeah, fair, This this seems – This seems accurate. And then so I was put on antidepressants to sort of combat that, which it didn't really help because I didn't have social – I did have social anxiety. I did have social anxiety, but it wasn't because –
0: It wasn't the root cause. It wasn't the root
1: cause. The root cause wasn't the anxiety. It was my ADHD. And I want to talk about how much ADHD can influence how we feel anxiety and how how much anxiety it can cause because I still struggle every – every day with with anxious thoughts and anxiety and social anxiety. But I know now where it's coming from and how to sort of help myself and pull myself out of that when I'm feeling those thoughts because I know that it's just my overthinking. It's just how fast my brain is moving, how many thoughts I have going in my head, how one negative thought can turn and spiral into 50 negative thoughts. And that's sort of how ADHD works is your brain is just moving so fast that you can't really pinpoint anything you can't pick one thought and say this is how i feel you've like this is how i feel because of this and this and this and that's sort of like that's where the we started sort of sort of saying head noise because i get a lot of head noise very often but i also it can fluctuate throughout the day so much and it changes like every day looks different for me every single day.
0: And I've noticed with Mon it it hits out of nowhere like she'll be real happy and all of a sudden it's like whoa I've got 50 million thoughts in my head all this anxious energy builds up and it'll just it'll come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah before I got diagnosed with ADHD I was having panic attacks daily at one point and like these anxious thoughts were just spiraling and I didn't know what what the heck was going on and this is sort of Leading into my diagno- diagnosis stories, I didn't know what was going on. I knew I didn't think I had depression. I didn't think that anxiety was my only was the only thing sort of going on. So I was like, there has to be something. I have bipolar on three legs of my family, and I have ADHD. My dad has ADHD. My like a few people in my family. So I'm like, it it can sometimes be genetic well they don't actually know the cause of adhd mm. that's also something i wanted to touch on they don't know for definite what causes someone to have adhd
0: yeah there's actually there's something that says in um in the book the medical medium book sorry i keep referring to it but it just has so much really interesting information in it so yeah he says in the book that He talks about kind of what causes ADHD and autism because in the clinical world, we don't actually know. And this is a very interesting take on it. He says that specifically ADHD and autism are born from primarily, uh, like obviously there is other reasons why, but he says from mercury and aluminium that settles in the brain midline, sorry if I mispronounce this, the midline cerebral canal or canal, which divides the left cerebral hemisphere from the right It's hard to build up significant exposure to heavy metals in just a few years of a young life. Mercury, however, is a neurotoxin that slips under the doctor's noses. Like, and obviously mercury is not good for us. And he talks about how it creates inflammation in the brain as well. So it's it's a very interesting take on kind of the cause of ADHD. I just wanted to quickly input that there.
1: Yeah, so they don't actually know what causes ADHD. And so because I had so many... people in my family with sort of mental health disorders and, and brain executive function disorders, I was like there has to be something going on that it's not just anxiety and depression. So I, I sort of researched, I did my own sort of research about it. I was looking at anything, I, I th- like at one point I thought I had bipolar, which I definitely don't have bipolar, and at one point I thought I had BPD and I was like, I just knew in, in my soul I knew that I had like, that there was something more going on and that I wanted to figure out what it was so I could sort of have learned the tools and, and gain the knowledge to help myself, to stop myself from getting in these really low patches over and over again. Like I was, I was just in this cycle of just going up and down and up and down. I'd be all right for a few weeks and then I'd be really down again for a few weeks. And I was struggling every day to like, do my I was in uni at the time. I was really struggling to do my uni work and focus and get it done on time. And and I was like, I had I was putting so much pressure on myself. I was like, I just want to go see a psychiatrist just to just to get an opinion. And and if I don't have something, we'll go to the the drawing board again. Like we'll figure it out. And so I went to my GP and I said, I want to go see a psychiatrist. I think I have this. And she said wow, how how strange, because I don't actually get many people asking me for a referral to a psychologist, but of course I'll give you one. So I went to see my GP last October. I got the referral, then I booked in that day, and her next the psychiatrist I went to her next available appointment wasn't till May. So this is also something that's a huge problem as well as how hard it is to see someone to get diagnosed, especially if you've got really like, prevalent issues in your life um, that are inhibiting everyday life. But, um, yeah, so I booked in for the next available appointment in May and went on their cancellation list. I ended up seeing my psych at the end of February. So she had a cancellation and I got diagnosed that day. I spoke to her for an hour and a half. She pretty much said that you are, like, textbook inattentive ADHD. Like, the antidepressants just wouldn't have worked because you didn't have a lack of serotonin. (laughs) So yeah, I didn't have a lack of serotonin. I actually had ADHD, which I'm going to touch a little bit on what actually happens in the brain when you when you have ADHD. So people often think you just have too much dopamine, which is not the case. You have a normal amount of dopamine. You don't have enough of the neurotransmitter that transmits the dopamine to the different sections of your brain. So you have a lack of these pathways where the dopamine goes. So you have just, you're constantly seeking out dopamine in every activity you do.
0: That makes sense because activities where that are mundane to us, they have to be stimulating, Stimulating. I would say, for an ADHD person in order to, I guess, complete the activity.
1: Yeah. So now we're gonna jump into sort of the medication side of ADHD. And I know this is a very controversial topic for a lot of people and it medication is not always the best solution for for some things, but I want to talk about my experience with medication. I was prescribed on the day I got diagnosed, I was prescribed um, Vyvanse. So Vyvanse is a dexamphetamine. There's a few different types of um, medications. I also know a lot. I've done a lot of research about medications and the two main ones, dex and Ritalin, and I'm sure everyone sort of knows what either one of those are. But basically the purpose... For them is to do the same thing but they're just a different drug and there's also short acting and long acting types of both but i'm currently on the long extended release vivance and i have i've played around with my dosage i've started at the lowest like you can only start at 30 milligrams so i started on that and then i've sort of worked my way up i want to talk about how much the medication has actually helped me
0: for me i see there is a visible difference, like with Monet when she's on her meds and off her meds. Today she had a med-free day, for example, and like whilst we are hungover, <laughs> but it, you can tell or automatically the differences—just yeah. her brain, how it works, how she would have a lo- she's got like a lot more internal dialogue. I would say going on, yeah, and it, also yeah. you can literally see it. She will zone out and just be overthinking every little thing. It's yeah, yeah it's very interesting to um, observe.
1: So. Basically, without my medication, I just have a lot of, as Tish said, a lot of internal dialogue I get. I tend to get really anxious really quickly if I have a bad day. But if I'm having a good day, I I can have a really good day. And the medication just honestly just makes my head so quiet and I can actually f- do things and function through my day without having this insane anxiety every. Every day that affects how I go about my, what I do.
0: Can you actually you? She explained to me really well, like how the meds work. But can you explain to like our listeners how it actually works and what it does to your brain?
1: Yeah. So it's a it's a stimulant. The purpose of a stimulant is to sort of counteract the lack of that neurotransmitter that transmits our dopamine through our brain and sort of meet the amount of dopamine you. Have going, and so you don't have the sort of blockages in your brain that stop the dopamine from getting to the different parts of your brain, so you can do normal tasks as normal.
0: I would say it like instead of slowing it down and bringing it back to a normal pace, it actually speeds it up in order to like catch up with all the dopamine hits that an ADHD person would yeah. have.
1: Yeah, so you're not having those typical like dopamine craving tendencies. You have more impulse imp, impulse control. Sorry, and sort of you. are you have more executive functions so you can, you have better time management and this is coming from, I mean, everyone has a different experience with medication. This is coming directly from me being an unmedicated adult to now a medicated adult and how much it's helped me. I don't, I actually do have med free days every now and then, like I enjoy having a med free day every now and then if I'm having a good day, the meds really help me if I'm having kind of a down day or a negative day like I won't have a med free day if I'm having like if I'm super emotional or anxious about something because um it's honestly just better if I can just have a normal brain and think normal like sort of instead of overthinking your instead of thinking overthinking everything because yeah. <laughs> I sort of I'm like get in these cycles of I just start thinking about something and then I'm thinking about what I'm having for dinner in 50 years time (laughs) like (laughs) it's just that's sort of how I describe my overthinking it's just crazy like I'll just think about the most random things and then I'm like why why am I thinking about this right now um but the way stimulants work also it's not like an antidepressant um they don't stay in your system for an extended period of time you don't need to wean off stimulants you can you can have med free days without having like withdrawals or anything like that well at least that's my experience um but with antidepressants you need to wean off them because they sort of are creating this fake uh manufactured serotonin in your brain that your brain doesn't actually make its own serotonin so it needs to before you just go cold turkey because i went cold turkey on antidepressants it was don't do that. Worst decision of my life. I was, very, <laughs> I was very not okay for a, for a couple of weeks. But yeah, so you can have the med-free days, and it also medicine the medication affects my appetite, so I don't really eat during the day as much as I would usually, and I don't have I don't get hungry, and I'll, I'll start a meal. But I sort of figured out a way around that, and that's that's something I want to help people with too. Is like there's ways around that.
0: Yeah, I just find it so interesting that obviously with her meds it does help but there's also like any medication there's downsides and there's, yeah. there's side effects so yeah eat, I, like the whole day would not eat and just because your body isn't telling you that you're hungry you just don't feel hungry which yeah is wild no I just
1: didn't feel hungry and I've sort of figured out a way around that so I have a pretty big breakfast and then I just snack on little things through the day I find that works best for me and then I have a big dinner because when they wear off I get so hungry <laughs> Yeah, the meds they they are good, but they obviously have their downfalls. I crash hardcore when I when I come off my meds at night because they only last twelve hours.
0: Yeah, and it's like I can see physically like her body's like pretty much exhausted, and yeah. she's just like, I've had enough for the day, and we'll just like go back into her little shell and yeah. just yeah. Um, they. I just want to mention in the uh, medical medium book, uh, he talks about um. Natural. we want to kind of talk to, about the natural remedies and um, yeah. things that you can feed your body in order to help. It cre- like it acts as like how the meds would. So instead of speeding up your brain to get those dopamine hits across, it actually would slow it down and bring it to, I guess, the normal, whatever normal is these days, yeah. the normal rate of um, like what your neurotransmitters are kinda of meant to do for you yeah. yeah. So I would say a pretty um well known natural um medication for ADHD is probably the um amino acids. Um mm-hmm. Monet has done a bit of research into this and it's it's pretty awesome. She um wants to trial it.
1: Yeah. i yeah, I definitely wanna trial doing something nat- a bit more natural because as much as the medication helps me through the day, I really don't like how I crash at the end of the day. I just get absolutely mentally exhausted. Like I just don't have any mental energy left at the end of the day sometimes. And I, I don't like that I can't eat. So I like my med-free days, but I also like being able to function normally. Yeah, so yeah. I, I will, I'm i very open to trying something natural. And Tisha's actually been trying to help me learn more about that as well.
0: Yeah, because I'm still obviously learning so much about it, but I was like, I love anything... I love the holistic health and um, all that, so I'm really into it. So kind of her having ADHD gives me another reason to deep dive into <laughs> all these things that I can learn. But, yeah, he's so – yeah, amino acids, fish oils, there's a specific type of fish oil that you have to get in order for it to work. And with the fish oil – I only know this because um, with my nephew, how he's kind of been diagnosed with ADHD, uh, they want to put him on Ritalin. And my mom's like, oh, he's literally – so young and so we want to try like a more natural remedy your, yeah, why your he is, is so young and yes natural. my mum is very yeah and yeah with the fish oil it takes like in between three and six months for it to be fully and like actively in your system and you just lower your dosage of fish oil and it becomes like it's like taking your meds it's just a new habit you just yeah. take your supplement so yeah. obviously fish oil is really good for us as well it has mm. so many other benefits but in the book, it's got healing herbs and supplements. And it talks about, um, I'd love to list a couple of these in the show notes as well, or I might even post it on our Instagram page if you want to go pop over to our Instagram page. But um, he's got uh, spirulina, vitamin B, S to C, zinc, melatonin, lemon balm, magnesium, I amino mean acid, and then B complex. And it's really good with this book. He's got Like, he lists them and also lists exactly what it helps with, which is so handy. And a couple others are, oh, God, Gingson probiotics and EPA and DHA. So, very, very interesting that there is, obviously, if you're more into the alternative medicines and natural remedies, it's definitely something to look into and it's just... Obviously, it's it's better for us at the end yeah. of the day. It's more – natural Natural remedies are always going to be better for us because our body – like, a couple of those there, you should be taking daily, like, zinc, magnesium. Th- those help with so many other Magne- things.
1: Magnesium is, like, so good. Oh,
0: yeah. And same with zinc. <laughs> for so many
1: things yeah. as well, yeah.
0: Zinc is insane. I would love to talk – I will probably do an episode about all the natural remedies that I've kind of come across. Be, yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just wanted to add that because, obviously – when she does have those med free days, she gets to kind of just let loose a bit. And I know sometimes it can be hectic in her head, but it's just so good to be able to not have to worry about, you know, certain things and structuring your day around the medication.
1: Yeah. Like right now it's eight o'clock at night and usually I'd be like brain dead, like absolutely mentally exhausted, but I've, I didn't take my meds today. So I feel all right. But, um, that's definitely something that I wanna try and I think my plan is to sort of start taking those supplements while I'm on my meds still and sort of um, take them for a few months and then sort of try going off my meds a bit more and I'm sort of gonna test the waters a little bit when I, when I feel com- comfortable too um, at my own pace. But yeah, definitely really open to that. My whole journey has been ultimately, like, very clarifying for me. It's helped me in a lot of ways. I now have the resources and tools to sort of learn what's going on in my brain, learn... I don't use it... See, this is another thing. Like, I don't use it as an excuse for my behavior or my, my feelings or my emotions, but I, I use it as a reason. Like, I know why stuff is happening, but I I'm not like... Oh, that's just my ADHD. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm it, like,
0: yeah. it doesn't excuse you for being a shit person. No, <laughs> like, it doesn't. Definitely and that doesn't, goes doesn't with excuse like, you. Um, not just ADHD. That goes with a Everything. lot of disorders. It, it really, it doesn't excuse you for making. I mean, sometimes it might influence a bad decision, but it doesn't excuse you from making those bad decisions where it's going to harm other people, or it's going to yeah. be hurtful or prejudiced towards people.
1: No, no, I don't use it as an excuse. I, I just use it now. I know. What's going on in my brain? Now I know why I'm feeling like this. Now I know why I'm getting all these anxious thoughts. So now I know how I can fix it and help myself and, and work through these issues to sort of like just get over get over that little speed hump.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say instead of it being, oh, I, f- I hate when it's like, like I feel like there's a stigma also around like a, having a disorder or having like a yeah. neuro disorder because... I feel like there's like a negative connotation attached to yeah. it. But honestly, it's a navigation tool because mm-hmm. you can yeah. use it and it is a reasoning. You can use it to go, okay, I understand why this is making me feel this yeah. way. How can I navigate around this? Yeah. What um, can I
1: do to help me in this situation? Yes. Yeah. So before I got diagnosed, I was very lost and I was very clueless as to what why I was feeling the way I was feeling and why I struggled in so many ways. Now I have people around me that understand that it's like, it's just how my brain works. And I just need to sort of talk about it. And you can actually like, it's funny to see it. It's funny for me to be in this situation because I'm literally like, I, I just brainstorm. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm feeling when I start to talk about it, start to talk about all these little delulu situations in my head (laughs) um and i realize what's actually like going on and why how i'm feeling and why i'm feeling that way it's really it's a really good tool
0: and also like it it makes our friendship that much better like for me being able to come from an understanding place and me being able to know have the right tools to help her and guide her through it because like that's what friends and family and loved ones are for they're here to help you um feel supported and guided and yeah. obviously I want to provide that. Yeah. Um but it's so honestly having an understanding about all these um different things is just I think it's really important. It's literally makes it's you like a better a life human. Tool. <laughs> it really is. It, it makes you a better human and yeah. you can just everyone's human experience is very different, but you can yeah. come from I guess that understanding place of going, "Oh, I kind of yeah. I know a bit about that, like I understand." Um, so and so and it just helps
1: and maybe if you don't understand maybe just like have an open mind that's Mm. my biggest suggestion have an open mind and be open to what they're telling you and be open to trying to understand maybe ask some questions or say I don't really understand it can you try and explain it in a different way and coming from someone with ADHD like I've struggled so hard previously to to sort of make those relationships with people and in, in like partnerships as well, like I was just never, I'd never felt understood. I never felt heard. I never felt really like, but, cause I didn't really understand it myself. Like I've only just sort of learned so much about it and it's a shame honestly, but now I know, now I have the tools, now I know, have the understanding of how to explain it to people. And then if they're, if they're willing to sort of work with me and, and, and have an open mind, then that's amazing. That sort of sums up my ADHD story and how it sort of came about and a little bit about what it is. And I really, I really hope that someone took something from this episode.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening to my story because I know she's probably like one in a million people, but yeah. at least we just want to share it and really put some awareness out there. As you know, it's the weekly recommendation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we got our weekly recs ready. Um, you take the floor. I take the floor? Yeah.
1: So I have a little recommendation this week. Um, I have a book here that I found this year in a, in July um, at a little a little shop uh, on the uh, where we live on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure you. I'm gonna try and find a link to buy it. I'm pretty sure you could buy it on Amazon. But the book is called Keep Swimming. It's by Annalise. I'll Ilsley, I'm so sorry if I butchered that. <laughs> um but pretty much it's a book with real life stories to help you face the waves of mental health. And I found this in a time where I was pretty pretty lost and pretty pretty down. Um this year has been a it very much a journey for me and um a growth journey and I've come a long way. But this book I bought it in a time of need and it has it helped me. I've read a few stories, it's got a few different tools, so along with the stories there's sort of like the stories of people's mental health and then how they kept swimming if that makes sense so how they they moved past it and overcame their mental health hurdles and it's also got a few different tools put together by psycho psychologists and and things like that and little quotes and it's really good it's really helped me um but it's really good and I would recommend getting this book.
0: Yeah, we must be about books all this week cuz I also have a book recommendation and it's what I've been referring to this whole episode, um The Medical Medium. I personally I don't own the book. Um my mom is actually borrowing it from someone cuz I know it is quite expensive book, but the information in it is freaking wild and yeah. it's not just focused on ADHD, that's just one of the many things it focuses on a lot of it's got like case histories and stuff because the guy who wrote it he's an actual doctor and he discovered a little bit later in life that um he was
1: to venture spiritually
0: yeah and he's a psychic medium so um his story's pretty wild very interesting um i'll also yeah there's
1: some pretty cool stuff in there
0: yeah and i'll also jump on like i said before our instagram page and i'll post maybe a couple of the pics that i took of the book so you guys can have a little read-along Thank you guys so much for listening. We laughed and we cried, and now we say goodbye. Hope to see you next week. Love always,
1: Mon Mon and Tish. tish. Mike Tap.
0: (music) Now we say goodbye. Tune in next week. What? We'll see you next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was always. I
0: was always. (laughs) (laughs)